And uh, I want this message to serve as an encouragement to you. As I present the message, I pray that it also challenges you to be reminded of the God that we serve. Now, we know that this has been a year that we would call unprecedented. Many unexpected events have happened so far. And we have always heard the adage, the cliche, Vision 2020. But it seems that this is not what we dreamt 2020 will be like. And I declare to you that, beloved, though the government and the people may have pushed Vision 2020 to Vision 2030, I declare to you that our God and His promises doesn't change just because of circumstances. That is the confidence and the assurance we hold in our hand. That is the, uh, that is the certainty we have that times and seasons no doubt will change, but the one constant is God and His promises. You know, it's like walking in the desert. And if you heard the term mirage, a mirage is what is known as an optical illusion. When you're in the desert and everything is so dry, every time you turn around, you see a lake. And you think to yourself, it will be so good to just take a drink of water. And when you run to that lake, it disappears. And then you look at a camel walking, and you know camels would carry water on their, on their, uh, on their back. And, and somehow you begin to, oh, if I could only... And when you get close, the camel disappears. And so many times, like a mirage, we are presented with false hope. Things are going to get better. The world seems to portray this, this sense of, uh, this comforting sense that, oh, it's only going to get better from here. But as you study the Word of God and as you study Scripture, it seems to me that that is so false by nature because the Bible does say that in the last days, perilous times will come. Times are going to get even more trying. Times are going to get tougher. We are going to face greater hardship in life. But in Jesus, in Jesus, we have the assurance to come out victoriously. And so I'm not here to present a mirage to you, a false hope and tell you, oh, things are just going to get better. I'm not basing my point this morning on an optical illusion, I am basing my entire sermon on the facts and the promises God has provided us with. And amongst the many other missions that Jesus came to fulfill, one of the missions He came to proclaim is the year of favour. Luke chapter 4, I want you to look at this passage with me. We have been uh, back and forth on this text and we're going to close it off today with the final statement that the Bible says Jesus came to do. And it says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. 
He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, which we talked about a few weeks ago, to proclaim liberty to the captive and recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, which we spoke about last week. And then today, the Bible says to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, in the New International Version, it says to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so that's what I want to talk to you about. Because we know that Jesus came to overcome slavery and bondage. We've heard sermons on that. We've heard the message that Jesus has come to bring deliverance to us, that we no longer have to be a slave to sin. We no longer have to stay in bondage to sin, but He has made a way of escape. But this morning, we find that Jesus takes it a step further. He doesn't just concern Himself with the current, with the temporary, with the immediate. It seems to me that Jesus is also con- constantly concerned about our future. He didn't just deliver us to let us float around with no purpose. The Bible says to proclaim the year of the Lord simply means that you and I in this place have destiny in Jesus. So what does this mean? What does the year of the Lord mean? According to the Hebrew calendar and according to the Hebrew uh, uh, custom, the year of the Lord simply meant a season when the Hebrew slaves were set free. They were in bondage. They were in debt. And there came a time where after a certain number of years, the Bible calls it the year of the Lord in which they were forgiven of their debt. And I want to home in on this, they were restored of all that was taken away from them. So the point we are establishing here is we're not far from the reality that when the Bible commands the year of the Lord, it simply speaks of a time of restoration. It speaks of a time that God begins to show His grace upon His children. They are forgiven, they are delivered, they are set free, no longer in bondage. But it also goes on to reveal that whatever has been taken will be restored. And I'm going to talk about that at the end of the message. But you can write this scripture down and read it at your own time. Leviticus 25 8 through 13 refers to the year of the Lord. And so Jesus came and his ministry was threefold. Came to proclaim this good news. And this is relevant to us today that God in his nature came to restore and deliver regardless of what season we're going through, beloved. God is still in the business of restoring. In 1831, there was a time in the US known as the Potato Famine, where the Red Indians, the Native Americans basically, began to die of starvation. There came a point in in their life when they began to uh, find that there was no food for them to eat. Diseases were on the rise. Starvation and severe winter costed them about 4,000 innocent lives. 
And interestingly, uh, many of these known as the Choctaws, 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 C-H-O-C, I know chocolate, it's a Choctaws, you know, C-H-O-C-T-A-W-S, so it has to be Choctaws. And thousands of other Native Americans were killed in what is known as the Indian Holocaust. Listen very carefully to the story. Now, 16 years after they arrived Oklahoma and after facing the season of famine, they called it, a holocaust, they came to a place at that time where they heard of families that were struggling in Ireland due to the potato famine. And so what these Red, or these Native Americans began to do is they decided to collect money. Even in a time of famine, when they were struggling, they decided to collect and send money to help this Irish, Irish family people that were in Ireland struggling from the potato famine. And so long story short, years go by. This story comes back to life just this past week. The Irish heard of what was going on in the U.S. and they began to gather funds from all over their nation and brought an amount of 820,000 U.S. dollars to the Native American volunteers to buy food and supplies for their families as a return for what they did for them when they were in need. My point to you by reading that story is God, just like that Irish people, never forgets what you've done for Him. That the reason they went out of the way to collect money and bring this fund together and send it back to America to help these Native Americans, are be it's because they remember the time when they were in need and these people in a time of famine would collect money and send it. They were not the most wealthiest, they were not the most successful ones, but they did it anyway. I'm here to tell you that one thing must be settled in our hearts. And that is this, God never forgets. Never forgets our faithfulness, our giving, our sacrifices, our liberality, you name it. God never forgets. When the day comes, that's why we can be living in COVID-19 we can be living in the midst of a famine per se. But my God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And I want you to consider this truth with me from 2 Kings chapter 8, verses 1 through 6. And I want to try to do my very best to present this truth to you so you could see this morning that no famine, no times and seasons in life can hinder what God wants to do in your life. This is what's happening on the outward. But God works in mysterious ways. And I want you to understand that as we go to 2 Kings chapter 8. I want to talk to you about a woman in the Bible that I uh, uh, begin to consider as I was putting the sermon together. And I felt 
related to what I'm about to tell you and speak to you on. 2 Kings 8, 1 through 6, beloved. So Elisha spoke to the woman whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise and go, you and your household, and stay wherever you can, for the Lord has called for a famine, and furthermore, it will come upon the land for seven years. So the woman arose and did according to the saying of the man of God, and she went with her household and dwelt in the land of the Philistines seven years. It came to pass at the end of seven years that the woman returned from the land of the Philistines. She went to make an appeal to the king for her house and for her land. Then the king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me, please, all the great things Elisha has done. Now it happened as he was telling the king how he had restored the dead to life, that there was the woman whose son he had restored to life, appealing to the king for her house and for her land. And Gehazi said, My lord, O king, this is the woman, and this is the son whom Elisha restored to life. When the king asked the woman, she told him, so the king appointed a certain officer for her, saying, Restore, restore all that was hers and all the proceeds of the field from the day that she left the land until now. So here we find a story that carries with it the tune that God never forgets the labor of his saints. God, I declare to you, is an excellent bookkeeper. Our doing, our faithfulness, our sacrifice for God is never in vain, beloved. Remember, here's a woman a few chapters before. You know what she did? She saw a man who was traveling down her city. She went to her husband and she said, we have to build a room for this man of God. We have to give him a place to reside. Whenever he comes by this way, we need to provide for him. And so she decided to do that. And I make the statement to you, she respected God by showing respect to the office of whom God had put in place. She respected God by respecting the office of whom God had put in place. This is important because oftentimes we fail to realize that what causes God to respond to us so often than not is because of the many times we have done right in the past. Our obedience in the past our willingness to do right even when we know we don't have the ability, our choice to say, I am going to honour God, even when it's a struggle, that right here brought to pass what all that we're going to read in this, check, in this text, and we're going to see that brought to pass the outcome down the road in this woman's life. Years have gone on now. Elisha has restored her son to life. A famine now is coming. So the story that we read here assures us that God always 
remembers. This is when we begin to realize that this woman who is a Shunammite woman, the Bible calls her the woman from Shunem. This woman right here is going to experience a famine for seven years in the land of Shunem. Now, some of us don't realize what a famine is. Because if you look at us, We don't even come close to famine. We don't even know how to spell famine. Let me, let me be very honest with you. Famine in those days would kill you. Starvation, shortage of food, nowhere to get any form of you know, uh, 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 food to consume. It was a season of drought. It was a time when the land will produce no fruit, no ground, nothing. The land would produce nothing because somehow the weather was never conducive. There was a drought, there was a famine. And all that she was going to face, can you imagine with me a famine would kill her whole family, her children. You, you remember, her son was prophesied by Elisha. She was desiring to have a son. And this prophet came to her, and when she saw that he had she had prepared a room, he asked, he turned around and asked her, what can I do for you? Gehazi came back and said, you know, she's want, she wants a child. And said, by this time, so and so, you will have a child. And in this famine, I declare to you, beloved, that just like in this woman's case, God's promises will remain unchanged for us. That means whatever you find in this book that was relevant for us 10, 20 30, 40, 50 years ago will still remain relevant today. God never changes His promise just because circumstances have changed. You see, that's the confidence we have. God never changes what He says in His Word. You and I can bank on that this morning, knowing that no matter what the seasons may be, our God is still going to move in the present. The Bible says our, the hands of our God is not shortened. There's nothing God cannot do. That has not changed just because of COVID-19. So let's talk about God vindicating the faithful. Because in this text, I find God protecting and I find God preparing this woman to remove her from trouble. If we look at our own lives this morning, you and I can admit that God has kept us safe up till this point. COVID-19 has come. I was talking, you know, many of you know my grandfather was ill. I was sharing with him, you know, he's, he's, he's just very, very discouraged and he's down and he's feeling, you know, completely uh, 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 
disappointed with all that's going on in life. And, and so I'm, I'm trying to bring some sp perspective to him as I'm talking to him the other day. I said, listen, you know, you don't know what's going on out there. I said, there are people that are dying. There are people that are fighting in hospitals because of this COVID-19. And I told him, I said, you know, we have to thank God that none of our people, even in our family, all of us have been saved and God has kept us from that. God has protected us from that and we thank God for that. And you know, it's, it's, it's us looking and understanding that God, so much things could have happened and things could have gotten worse than what it is. But thank God it's not. Because we serve a good God. So Elisha here, going back to our story, instructs the Shunammite woman, preparing her for the famine that is to come. Now you have to understand, it was never a common thing for a man of God to inform someone of a famine that is to come. It was not common in biblical times that there would be uh, uh, information provided. In many instances, you can read about the famines in the Bible. It happens suddenly. There's no six months in advance preparation. There's no one year in advance preparation. There was nothing. But for Elisha to call this woman, you have to wonder what was so unique about this woman that Elisha would actually make it known to her to protect her from the effects of a famine. That in the case of famine, I told you just now, a, a, a stage of severe hunger her family, she would have not survived. And here we find that the words of Elisha are protecting her. She moved to the land of the Philistines, the Bible says in, in verses 2, and she went with her household and dwelt in the land. Her family and her, all of them began to move to the land of the Philistines. I declare to you, though it may seem discomforting, though it may seem like a discomfort, it may seem like the move is an inconvenience, but her response to obedience. How many of us can take advice from the man of God and from the Word of God. That protects you. We may say, oh, what can you tell me? I'll tell you, a lot of time God speaks through the man of God. This is how God functions. This is what Elijah, his words at that point of time brought protection to her family. It may not be the most flowery words to the ears. You've got to leave your country. You've got to leave your, your, your land. You've got to leave everything behind. You've got to go to the land of the Philistines. But I declare to you, beloved, that there's a profound truth here, and I want you to catch this. In the times of famine, can I ask you something? Has God ceased giving you direction? All through this time, you've been hearing the preaching of God's word. God has been faithful to give you direction. God has shown you what you pray, lay hold of God, do the right thing. God has not ceased in giving you direction. Just like this woman right here, God gave her direction. This is what's so needed in the time of famine. We need to hear from God. We need to receive direction from God. We live in a very self-reliant generation where Google answers everything. 
And that's why we have so much problems today. Because there's no follow-through. There are moments of discomfort. Genesis 12, 1 to 3, the Bible says, Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. Make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Abraham, you've got to leave. You can't stay here anymore. You can't remain here. I know you're comfortable. I know that this is something you've been doing for a long time. But it's time for you to carry on and move on, Abraham. Abraham's call to leave was a call to leave his comfort zone. God will often challenge us to change our ways. Depart from the way we have been doing things. Maybe we have been just giving in to things that somehow promote self-reliance, pride, arrogance. And God is teaching us, you need to learn to humble yourself. You need to listen to advice. Cultural prejudices, bias. We are unwilling to let go off. We feel so secured and protected in those environments. I make a statement to you. Oftentimes, the blessing of God involves leaving a comfort zone to step into His promise. Doing things differently. You know, God is always challenging us to become better Christians to grow in our faith, to mature. Here's a woman right here. The last thing she needs to hear after hearing of a time where there's going to be starvation, shortage, nothing for them to look forward to. The last thing she wants to hear is leave the country and go somewhere else. But God positioned her, right? You read all through the scripture and God positioned her in a place of protection. The end of seven years, she goes off to this land of the Philistine and the Bible says she comes back. When she comes back, she goes to the king. When she goes to the king, God gives her favor with the king. Now, this is where I, wanted, I want to make a point and bring you, bring this to a close. You see, our text narrates, look at this with me, in verses 4. Then the king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me, please, all the great things Elisha has done. Now, let me paint this picture for you here. Gehazi is talking to the king. The woman is not there. You, you have to catch this. This is very important. The woman isn't present. Gehazi is conversing with the king. But as you go on in verses 5, 
now it happened. I want you to see this. Come on. Uh, verses 5. Now it happened as he was, while he was telling the king how he had restored. So, so Gehazi is sharing with the king about all that Elisha has done. And lo and behold, as he's sharing these things, he turned around and the Bible says, Gehazi said, My Lord, O king, this is the woman. This is the woman. You tell me who sets things up so perfectly like that other than God. That while Gehazi is telling the king about these things, sharing about the woman's encounter with Elisha, the woman walks past at the right time. And he points to the woman at that time and says, this is the woman I'm telling you about. This is the person I'm referring to. She's the one that experienced all. And I declare to you, beloved, this immediately sparked favor between Gehazi, or rather the king, and the woman. That only God can set something so profound as that position it in such a way. Let me declare to you, beloved, there have been so many encounters I've had with God in the same manner, being put in the right place. I remember many years when we were, uh, many years ago when we were trying to get the licenses on this building. I, for whatever reason, I'm in prayer that morning. And I said, God, I'm just tired, God. You know, we were renovating, I'm running to MPSG, I'm coming back, I'm, all these runarounds, I was, I was just tired. I said, God, that morning I began to pray, I said, God, I, I'm, I'm just tired, you need to tell me what to do. And I felt God beginning to show me that I need to go into the office, go, go to MPSG. And so what happened at that time, that very morning I, I got up, I left prayer, and I straight drove to MPSJ, I went up to the office, and my wife is my witness, she followed me at that time. I stood there, and as I was standing there, this lady has been delaying our process. She said, you know, come back in two weeks, come back in three weeks, and we'll get it signed, the president has to sign, and blah, 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 she went on. And so as I'm standing there, the director walks out. He's the topmost person in that department. He saw me, sir, what are you doing here? I said, oh no, I came to see her. And he says, oh, okay, what for? So I said, uh, uh, no, I just needed her to give me the document. I just came to check if the document was ready. I knew it wasn't ready. I knew it wasn't ready because she already told me a week before, it'll take two to three weeks. But if you know anything about your pastor, I don't wait in a lot of this stuff. (laughs) That's how we get things done. We push for it. And so, and so I know my limit, and so I kind of pushed through. I said, no, I, I, I came to see her. I was very polite with him. And he says, oh, okay. And so he walked out. And then he came back in again. He says, are you still waiting? I say, yeah. And so he says, give me a second. He went to her, and I don't know what he said. And then he, he came out. He says, sir, you go and have a coffee. Or a tea, I don't know what he said. Anyway, he said, go minom, pagi minom, I think he said. And he said, go, go minom and come back in one hour. I said, the letter? 
He said, yeah, I'll, I'll get it signed for you. But she said, it takes two weeks for the president to sign it. He said, no, I'll sign it off for you. And we got the letter out immediately, which immediately got us the favour to get the licence. And then on the day we had the grand opening, we got all our documents approved on the same day. God was, God was good, but that is favour. God set it up. I couldn't have predicted, oh, which day should I go? Look at the calendar, any, mini, miny, more. No, God set it up. And this was the same thing with this woman. God ordained this whole thing. God made her walk in at the right time, at the right place, because God was prepared to give this woman favour. And so think about it. The rest of the people in the land of Shunem faced a season of famine, a time of drought, a time of severe hunger and starvation. They had nothing to eat. But beloved, I declare to you, in the midst of all this famine, God was blessing this woman. God's hand was on her life. God was protecting her and her family. And can I tell you, that's relevant today to you and I. That God protects us. I walk into the hospital and I see people lying on the bed sick. And I begin to wonder, God, you know, we pray, we believe you for a miracle. But how many of us, we take our help for granted? God has protected us. In the time of famine, look around us with COVID-19, look around us with the amount of people that are facing hardship and trial and difficulty. God has protected us. Why? Because we serve a God who acknowledges your faithfulness. You did it when it was least needed, you obeyed him, and God honors that. So a disclaimer here, let me set this before I close. Can I be very shrewd and honest with you this morning? For whatever reason, I got a text message this week about confidant. Confidant, confident. The, you know, uh, uh, on friends and people you share with. Not everybody rejoices with your success. You have to be careful who you share your success with. Sometimes we got a big mouth. We go and tell everybody, oh, God is doing it and God is... And you know what they are doing at the back? They're casting spells of curse on you. That you will go down. Your business will not prosper. You know, sometimes they could be the most timid and the most uh, 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 innocent looking people. I'll tell you, I'll go on record and tell you, when you see breakthroughs, when you see miracles, when you see blessings, Yen and I rejoice with you. I'll tell you that. We don't, we're, we're not envious about your success. We rejoice in your success. When you tell us, oh God, heal this person, pastor, I rejoice with you. Your joy is my joy. I celebrate with you. We're not here to feel jealous about your But I'm telling you, there are people who feel jealous about your success. 
And you be very careful who you share it with. I don't know for what reason, but last Sunday when I went home, I felt I needed to put this in this message. I felt that I needed to uh, 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 highlight this as I begin to minister to you because envious people always speak against us. This is a perfect image. You see this, Gehazi. Gehazi, if you read all through later on down the scripture, Gehazi was a greedy man. He lied. He stole the blessing of his own uh, 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 master. This was the man we're referring to. And here in our text, somehow he's sharing with the king and God used this. This is what we call a perfect image of God being with us in the storm. That we can be in the midst of turmoil. We can be in the midst of famine. We can be in the midst of chaos. But we see God evidently Caring, protecting, providing, moving, bringing peace upon our life. That, I believe, is God's favor on His children. That even when things are not going well, that's and we go through those seasons too. I mean, we are lying if we say we're not humans if we don't have ups and downs. But the truth is, God protects. Let me give you a scenario. Here's, here's the story of Jesus' mother. You remember Mary? Mary, a woman who came from an obscure town called Nazareth. Her family is poor. The Bible tells us so much that Nazareth people would pass the command, can anything good come out of Nazareth? You've heard that statement. You've heard me preach on Can anything good come out of Nazareth? People look down at this city. People look down at where these, uh, uh, the, the very location of the city. This young woman whose name was Mary, she being in Nazareth, when nothing good comes out, Bible says, blessed are you, highly favored one. In the midst of the unknown, God picked the one out of there. What does that tell you? That tells you this morning that in all of our troubles, in all of our obscurities, in all of our trials, in all of our chaos that's going on around us, God sees who you and I are. And He can show favor even when the rest of the world says, what good can come out of Nazareth? That's the God we serve. What about Isaac? You remember Isaac, the Bible in the book of Genesis 26, he was in the city or in the land of Greah. And in this city of Gerar, sorry, with his wife Rebekah, at this point of time, there was a famine in the land. Nothing, nothing was happening. Everything was barren. Everything was dry. Everything, everyone was starving. And if you read the chapter, you would understand. I don't have time to uh, elaborate on all of those verses. But you would find that as Isaac obeyed God in that time, in that time, the Bible says, God blessed and gave favor to Isaac. Do you know what happened? You can read it in Genesis 26, 12 through 14. Go back home 
and read it. Where Isaac sowed seed, even in the land where everyone was in famine, where Isaac sowed seed, the Bible said God blessed and prospered them in the land of famine. How? Because God, God this morning is not bound by the economics, by the power of men, by all that's going on around the world. Can I remind you, God inscribes himself in all that's going on. That's why we hear that term, what the enemy meant for evil, God turned it around for good. Because it describes to us that God is not the one that brings the evil, but whatever the enemy may try to do, whatever the enemy may try to assault us with, the Bible tells us God turns it around. So there's an active move of God in all that He's doing, just like Isaac, just like Mary, just like the woman of Shunem. We find that God gets involved in the scene and what the enemy said it's barren, it's famine, it's dry, starvation, people are dying. God turned it around and caused it to operate in the opposite. How? Because God doesn't live by the whims and fancies of men. So what you give this morning, 41 minutes, I've got four more minutes and I'll close. You thought I won't keep track, right? I'm gonna, don't worry. I'm getting there. What you give to the world can be lost. What you give to God will never be lost. You found that out. Many of us have. What you give to men will go missing. But what you give to God will never go missing. Blessing. Write this down. Because I'm telling you, this is what we all need to establish. Our blessing doesn't come from this world. It belongs and it comes from God. Amen. Blessing is not from this world. If blessing was from this world, then beloved, everything going around us will devoid us of seeing blessing. With COVID-19 and with all the pandemic that is breaking out today and all of that, uh, you know, I was telling Yen, I'm amazed. People say, you know, no money, no money. But do you know that I was just telling Yen this, this past week, I, I've been reading a lot on business and all that. Bursa has made its record earnings this year way above than all the previous years in the past. MCO. Has people playing shares? <laughs> I'm telling you. Record. So I, 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 I'm amazed. People got money, beloved. People got money. I mean, oh, MCO, no money. They actually got money. <laughs> That's why Bursa's got a lot of money there. Record-breaking first quarter. It's the reason behind it. My point to you is this. If the world has the ability to see that, oh, what more we as children of God. That whatever the world throws at us, do you know God can turn it around for blessing? For greater? 
If the world can see record-breaking results like that, can I tell you, when you look back at the end of 2020, it'll probably be your greatest year. Why? Not because of just finances and all of that, but because God moved on your behalf. Many of us can probably say, I'll probably be not even alive now. Many of us will probably say, I can't even probably put food on the table, but God has been good to me. So what makes it a year of God's favour? I tell you, that we were exhausted from strength and God took over from us. That's what makes it a year. You cannot make sense of it. God just does a miracle. How did that deal come through? How did that job come through? How did this happen? How did that? It is when our energy, our talent, our resources, our ability, and we know that we are limited in our own strength, and God steps in and says, in your own logic, this will not happen, but that's what I call favor. That's what God does. That's why the Bible, He calls it a year. So here's the woman of Shunem. She cannot make sense of this. Seven years of famine. And her family is still taken care of, provided for, have a roof over their head, have food on the table. That's favor. That's favor when the rest of the world and God still protects you. This is a principle of life. God restored, oh my gosh, 40 seconds to go. God restored this woman with all she had lost due to the famine. She goes to the king. Let's close with this. I try to close in two minutes. My, in verses 6, when the king asked the woman, she told him, so the king appointed a certain officer for her saying, restore all that was hers. Oh, listen, beloved what she thought she had lost, leaving everything behind. You know, Elisha didn't tell her by leaving everything behind and coming back, you're going to get it back all in return. Elisha didn't say that. She, Elisha never spoke those words to her. Elisha just told her, go to the land of the Philistines. So in her mind, can you imagine, she is probably devastated. All that land we've worked for, all that soil, that hard work, the sweat, the pain, the blood, the tears we've cried, months in and months out, the roof that was over our head, our children's future and my destiny and the future of my marriage. She would have thought to herself, all gone down the drain but little did she know seven years later God was going to give her back everything she lost not only everything she lost but you know what is the beautiful part of God's restoration he seems that every time when God restores he always restores more than you bargain for look at this Restore all that was hers and all, can I have that scripture verse 6? Restore all that was hers and all the proceeds of the field from the day she left until now. You want to talk about a good bookkeeper? God is. God is. No such thing as God cheating or violating you. God never will do that. 
And this is why we've learned through the years that she did not die from the famine. But I tell you, the materials she had, the properties, the lands, the earnings, and all that was lost during the, the famine, God restored her. And I'm here to declare to you, God will do the same with us. It is possible to go through the famine, experience God, provide for our needs. We survive it. But God takes it a step further, even restoring the physical assets she had worked for. So you know the point I make to you, beloved. God protects us, but God also meets our needs by restoring us. And if you look at all through the Bible, I can tell you Job, who God restored two times. I can tell you the story of David when he was fighting and he went back to his hometown. Everything that they had taken, they had ripped him off. They have ripped, and David went and the Bible says God restored back. Jesus, the greatest story of restoration. They thought they killed him, threw him in a tomb, and they thought it was over. Three days later, Jesus walked out of the tomb, declaring the power of not just resurrection, but restoration. This is what God is doing with us. I want to make this statement to you as we close. God is not a taker. He is a giver. God never asks us to give what he has never been willing to give. And don't let this season this morning, beloved, whatever we're going through, whatever we're facing, right, don't let this season steal your joy because God is going to bring onto us a great year of favor. And I don't say that lightly. I say that because God's promise is true. Not my words, but his word, that every time he restores, he restores greater. Contrary to common belief, beloved, God, kiss, God is able to keep His promise. I want you to bow your heads with me.